Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I'm joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage, uh, like I am every Sunday here at 11 or here at 10. Sorry, I got my time mixed up. We're here Sunday at 10 every week talking about the local real estate market. And to, I want to start off talking about home buying uh, this week because, look, it's a really competitive market. So I want to give you Three ways to make home buying suck less. I like it. So if you are looking at buying a home right now and you're listening to my show, first off, the logical reason that you're listening to the show is you should be working with my company to be buying a house. If you want to make it suck less, you should be working with us if you're in Tampa Bay. Now, if you're listening to us somewhere else or you're thinking about buying a home somewhere else, we can help you there too. We can find you an agent in that market. But realistically, it's hiring a great agent uh, that has great reviews. Uh, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in in reviews. I think they matter. I think if you are looking at buying real estate anywhere in the world, um, you should use reviews as a tool. But here's the thing about reviews, okay? Actually read them. Don't just look at how many five stars somebody has. Actually go through and read them because sometimes you'll notice that uh, an agent that sold 19 homes last year has 800 reviews on Google because they paid somebody in the Philippines or they just got a bunch of friends at the bar to review them. So make sure those review numbers match with the number of transactions the agent or the company's doing. But but yeah, may, you know, if you're listening to us, you should be working with us cuz obviously you you view my uh real estate take as valid to you and and you feel like I'm adding value and that I'm giving you good information and similarly we do the same thing in the real estate process when we're we're helping you. So rule number 1 is work with a great agent who's got great reviews. Your home buying process is going to suck less. Secondly, and this is this is probably the biggest one of the three, um, get a conditional approval for your mortgage. Don't just get pre-qualified. Go through the actual process of getting your mortgage approved um, and underwritten all of your financials before you even look at houses. Yeah, for sure. It's super, super important. We call it the fast track um, credit approval at, at Cross Country Mortgage. And what we do is not just... Um, the loan officer look at your your paperwork or your pay stubs and your assets and credit, but actually send it into an underwriter, and we can underwrite your entire loan minus the property because you you haven't found it yet. But minus the property, we can look at your income, your assets, your credit, and whatever we may need to do or conditions we may need to get, we can know what they are up front before you even go shopping out there, and it really gives you a leg up in this marketplace. It's almost becoming a necessity. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. What a lot of people make the mistake of waiting until they find the house to get approved. Correct. That doesn't work today. Market's too competitive. By the time you get approved, the house is sold to somebody else. And not only that, but you might have to close really fast. You might have to go through all these steps. And if you haven't given your financials to your to your mortgage lender um, already up front, the delay that could happen could cause you to lose the house. We had one not long ago where the buyer almost lost the house, but we're really good agents, so we kept it together. <laughs> With an inferior agent, the deal would have fell, fallen apart. But basically what happened was the buyer waited until too long to get docs to the lender, and all this you know, kind of going down through the transaction, the uh, sellers asked for more time, and the seller says no, and I have a backup offer for more money. Right. Um, because the buyer drugs their feet. Don't drag your feet. Get. I'm hoping that what's going on right now changes forever the process of home buyers in terms of what, how they go through the process of buying a home. I'm hoping it's forever changed that they get their mortgage stuff all done before they ever look at a house. That's the way it should be. 
Um, it's historically not been the way that it's been, but I'm hoping this moves that change uh, into uh, you know the forever category, so that we just always have it. This right, way. the the new normal that we used to always talk yeah, about. Yeah, the COVID, new norm. Right? Yeah, it's, it's a, a new, new normal, normal to get pre-approved up front and, yeah. and conditionally approved. Yes, I, for I, sure. I couldn't agree more. And and it makes the process smoother. It produces less risk for the buyer. It gives you a greater chance of competing with cash. And you know what? It makes buying a home suck less. It does because there's so many things you go through when you're buying a home. There's so many. And and just to have one less. Right. It's an emotional transaction. And to have a whole bunch of stuff already completed and done and behind you, it will make it less stressful on you. And it'll make it, a you know, it'll make it suck less. It'll make it a more enjoyable experience how you go through. And we find that all the time with people that actually take the steps to do that. So here is the third tip. So the third tip for... Uh, how to make home buying suck less. Look at older homes that have been on the market a while. Everybody goes after the brand new listing. And here's what ends up happening. The homes that were overpriced at the beginning end up getting stale on the market. They may be priced right now. And the photos may be bad. But that doesn't mean it's a bad house. It means you've got a lazy real estate agent or a bad photographer. Right. There are plenty of great houses out there on the market that hit 60 70, 80 days, 30 days maybe. They're on the market for a while, depending on the price point. They're on the market for a while, and the, the only thing wrong with them is that they uh, that they started off the marketing plan wrong. They either started at too high of a price, or the marketing wasn't on point and they got it corrected. The photos were bad. Maybe they got those corrected. Maybe they didn't. But don't turn away a great house um, because it may be one that you have room to negotiate on. You might get a better deal on and not as many people chasing it. If you're looking at homes that have been on the market a little bit, home buying will suck less. And so for, for our listeners out there now, it, being such a competitive market, what would you consider a while? Even 30 days, to be honest with you. I mean, okay. but but truthfully, you know, you're, you're going to get an even better deal if you look at stuff that's older. You're going to be in more control of the negotiation. It's not going to be such a frenzy. The longer it's been on the market, the more motivated that seller may be. And a lot of times the house is priced right and there's nothing wrong with it. It was that it was priced wrong for the first couple months or the marketing was wrong for the first couple sure. months or there was an issue with the house that now has been corrected. So a lot of people shy away from homes that are on the market. And unfortunately, I think a lot of it is because of social media. People want this social gratification. They want to get they want to get likes and you know, they want everyone to like what they're doing and they want a house that everybody else wants. But the reality is a lot of times the reason those people don't want that house has nothing to do with the house. It has everything to do with the initial price and the poor marketing by the agent and that's something you can correct when you sell it after you own it. So again, looking at older homes is is another reason or another way to make home buying uh suck less. So I want to talk about bidding wars really quickly. We 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 talk about this a lot because yep. it's kind of the mark of the moment, right? Every, you know, not every transaction, but there's a lot of transactions that are bidding wars. And so I want to give some tips to home buyers out there. One of them we already went over the conditional approval thing For to make sure. home buying suck less. Um, you know, and and avoiding a bidding war is looking at older listings. You, you know, you're much less likely to have a bidding war. So, so I'm, I've already given you two tips on the bidding war thing. To, you know, they're part of the home buying sucking less segment <laughs> we just did. But there's some other things you can do um, if you want to win a bidding war. First, unfortunately, cash is king. You know, it, it really is. There are a lot of times where you're not going to be able to compete with cash unless you have cash. But um, one thing that people can do if they don't want to deploy their cash, um, they can buy 
and then they can do a refinance. Correct. You know, so they can get they can they can they can buy with the cash, cash and then they can go through the refinance, and that's also a process that isn't as emotionally draining because you already are in the house, you already own the house. Now you're just looking to get your cash back. Right. Yeah. It's called the delayed financing uh, exception to do it. And they allow you to pull the cash. You know, now you can't pull extra cash out or anything else. You can only put what you put into it, but you definitely can do it. And you don't have to wait the six months that you typically would need to to wait for a cash out refinance to get your money back. There's also programs out there now where um, with different companies and things where you can actually go in, even though you're getting financing, but you can remove the financing contingency because there's companies that are backing you for a full cash offer Correct. if something should there be delayed. There are a lot of those companies yes. out there that we have access to. So you go in as a cash offer, and there's a little bit of cost associated with it. There you is. Know, that, that, that's just the way it is, but it's really not what you would think. I mean, right. we're not talking exorbitant numbers here. It's, it's, it's pretty reasonable. So those are ways you can win a bidding war. Another way you can win a bidding war, uh, having, finding common ground with the seller somehow. You know, we had one not long ago where the seller sold the house to somebody that was a friend of a friend, you know, and they just wanted to go with their offer. You know, maybe you're friends with a neighbor. Maybe you share a, something in, in, you know, am I advocating stalking the seller on social <laughs> media? No. Well, maybe I am. But anyway, you can find common ground with right. the seller. You can, you, there are ways that you can make your offer look more attractive. You can close faster. You can remove contingencies. Another, another tip that I have is always make your number like random. So if you're in a bidding war, okay? So like if you were going to offer 900,000, offer 901,807. You know, offer something random because if you're dealing with an analytical home seller that's that's detail oriented and a number cruncher, they might that might make your offer more attractive to them because then they may think, "Wow, they really did their homework. They're right. like me. They're super analytical. They're very, you know, and he just made up a random number." Okay, so make a random number offer. Okay, don't don't make an offer for six hundred thousand exactly. You know, make a random. Here's the other reason why you make that random offer is what if the other best offer is the on the whole number exactly? Now you beat them. You know, so don't make the random offer lower than what your offer right. would have been. <laughs> right. Make it a little higher. And in reality, I mean, the difference in what you pay for the house or your mortgage payment is a couple trips to Starbucks a month if you're not making a, a huge swing there. So again, the the random number thing I think makes sense, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways. One other way to um, to beat the bidding war is to beat everyone to the house. And here's what I mean. There are a lot of really skilled real estate agents, and we're some of them. Um, if you're listening to the show, obviously you know that. Uh, buy the house before it ever hits the market. Look, it happens. It, it's probably more common in the luxury space. If you're a luxury home buyer and your agent isn't bringing you off-market opportunities, you may be with the wrong agent. There's a lot of luxury homes where the seller doesn't want to deal with the inconvenience of traditional selling, and they they you know put some feelers out and you know they sell the home directly that way. So you know if you're if your agent isn't if you're looking at high-end stuff and your agent isn't bringing you stuff off-market, you, you should question your representation. Um, but that's something we do. You know what? You avoid the bidding war when you beat everybody else before the house ever hits the market and have a chance to buy it. So we we do list a lot of homes. So we have a lot of you know coming soon off market opportunities. We have people that call us and say, you know what? I don't want to list my home, but if you bring me a buyer. So we have this whole rolodex of stuff. We have sellers that we win an appointment, and the seller didn't end up listing the home, but we look and it hasn't been listed yet. We know they want to sell it. You know, so there's all those opportunities that we have available to you that if you're not working with an agent that does that, you're leaving opportunities to avoid the bidding war or technically win the bidding war because you're you're basically 
winning the you're winning the war before it's actually fought. Right. So no no better way to win to win a war than by winning it before it's actually fought. You know, almost like the most diplomatic way to win a war right. is to yes. keep the war from happening. Right. Yes. So anyway, we're going to continue our conversation about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show after a quick break here on WFLA News. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. When we aren't on air, make sure we're following us. Make sure you're following us. We're already following. Us. <laughs> make sure you're following us on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Snapchat, TikTok, pretty much all of them. Uh, make sure you're following us. If you're a car person, follow my personal Instagram, Tampa Car Dude. Got some, actually, I have a really cool announcement coming soon for a real estate project around cars. So I can't touch on it completely yet, but man, it's it's super cool. So if you're a car person, make sure you follow me on Tampa Car Dude because I'll have some car real estate news for you soon. So um, let's talk about meth houses, Mike. Math houses? Math houses. All right. Breaking bad. So I was on their radio. I'm not going to mention the show I was on this week because, you know, they compete with this station. So I'm not not going to do that. But I was on the radio this week talking about it. And um, it it brought up an interesting point that I think is it it gets misunderstood sometimes. No matter what is going on with the house, no matter what's happened, if it's been a meth house, if it's if people have died in it, if people think there are aliens living there, if it's haunted, it doesn't matter. Every house will sell, but the price has to be indicative of what's going on, right? So, for example, if a house was a meth house, then it's going to sell for market value based on the reduction in value from someone having to spend money to remediate the home um, or possibly, depending on how bad, tear it down down. and then it's sold for land. But, But a lot of times, you know, like when I hear people say a house is unsellable, I don't believe that exists. I don't believe that there is an unsellable house. I believe every house is sellable. It just depends on the price. For sure. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it it just is a matter of what somebody is going to do with it. And like you said, to remediate what the situation, sometimes that's take, you know, get rid of it altogether and bring it down, especially in our area now where you see a lot of that, right? Older homes, or maybe they got dilapidated or weren't taken care of, or um, somebody had passed away and the house has just sat for so many years and you just see them, you know, get knocked down and they, they rebuild because of, you know, the, the increase in value that they're going to get from it. Yeah, and I think that so many people. I know there's a reality show I think called like Unsellable Houses or something like that, and I always kind of giggle when I see the title of it because I don't believe that that exists. I believe that every house will sell. It's just a matter of at what price, right? You know what it needs, what repairs are needed, and at what price. Now, does that mean every house is going to sell at you know at a retail price? No. It's just a matter of the situation. There are plenty of sellers that take less than what they'd get on the open market simply for convenience, for, for no hassle. For sure. You know? the, but there are also situations where you know, a house has some crazy thing going on, and it's still going to sell. It's just a matter of whoever buys it is going to factor in um, you know, the risk associated with buying that house and the repairs that are necessary to get it to a point where they can sell it to someone else. And I think what you find out there is there's a market out there. There's a group of people out there, a segment of that look for houses that are in those types of situations, oh, whether yeah. they're investors or they're yep. a contractor or they're the do-it-yourself yeah. guy. And there's a lot of people out there that go out hunting for those types of properties yeah. so that they can get a deal to remediate and everything yep. else and bring it back to full retail. Another one, you know, and I haven't heard this in a long time, 
but we had one a couple weeks ago. And um, this is something we haven't heard in many, many, many years. Chinese drywall. Yeah, remember just Chinese I, that was everywhere epidemic. back. I, yeah. How long ago was so I? So mean, obviously was... there were a lot of homes remediated. Yes. There were a lot of them gutted. There were you know you know just a whole bunch of stuff. Well, we had a seller call us, and they have a house that they want to sell, that um, is a Chinese drywall house, but they never changed it out, and they they end up basically trying to t- say they have all these reports that show. That now it's fine and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, no, you, you got to disclose that. that that's a problem. <laughs> right, like, yeah. It's on tax records as like a reduced value house for, you know. And so it was just, it was one of these things where it's like, I, we're not going to touch this. Like I am not putting, someone will list it though. Someone, someone will end up selling it and look good for them. It's just not for me. I'm not going to go there with a seller that doesn't want to disclose, sure. you know, something going on with the house that's a, that's a problem. That's not the reputation that we want to have, but there, there are agents that will do it. Um, you know, I always, I, you know, I, we did a video this week and, uh, you can watch it on, on our socials, but I say cheap work ain't good and good work ain't cheap. Yep. You know, there's always willing, so, someone willing to do it or do it for a discount or do things like that to make money. And, you know, it's, it's just not, it's not for us. It's not, that's not our business model. We're not wanting to be the, the agent that'll just sell houses that are, that are, that are you know, mired with issues that aren't disclosed. Look, I will sell. POS houses. Okay. Like I, I am not afraid to sell houses that, that have problems, but it's problems that are observed or known or disclosed. Sure. You know, we're not going to sell houses that, that are, have known issues that the seller wants to, you know, kind of keep under the, you know, under the radar or whatever. No, that's not our jam. Like we're not, we're not, we're it's not the wrong way to we, do business. We sell that we've sold thousands of homes. We don't need one sale. Right. You know? So, so we're going to be back. We're going to continue our conversation talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the local real estate market. And if you have concerns about the real estate market, I just want to go through a few things that that can kind of give you comfort locally. Look, real estate is local. Um, real estate is not the stock market where, you know, the stock costs the same in New York that it does in California that it does in Florida. Real estate costs and markets are determined by what's going on, local market conditions, right? So when you have a, a, a country that's population is shifting for a whole variety of reasons, whether it's a COVID issue, whether it's taxes, whether it's climate, whether it's just more people getting ready to retire, when you have population moving, real estate in local markets can be impacted. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's happening the same throughout the country. When you hear national real estate stats, most of the time you need to ignore them because you need to know what's going on in your city, in your neighborhood, in your town. So when we talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market being the number one appreciating market in the country in 2021 and predicted the same thing, 30 plus percent appreciation in 2022, what we're basically telling you is that that makes our real estate market a lot more safe and stable compared to other markets across the country. Now, prices are going to keep rising. Our market's going to keep doing extremely well, uh, as are lots of many markets across the country. But if we're just talking local, being the number one targeted real estate market in the country is a very good thing to hedge against any fears you might have of a real estate slowdown. Because even if that happens, 
that just means our appreciation rate might slow a little bit. Maybe right. we go from 30% to 20%. Right. It's certainly not going to evaporate. That's exactly what I was going to say is that, yeah, even if, if you know, because some people out there have this little, you know, the, the devil on their shoulder saying, but what if, but what if, but what if? And and so, you know, being number one, even if it does go slow down or things go, we're, we're still going to be moving um, faster than everybody else. And there's right. still going to be appreciation. Yeah. And look, we've got winning sports teams. Yes. We've got, um, you know, a great local economy. We have job growth. We have infrastructure improving. We have wonderful weather, wonderful beaches. I mean, there's just so many reasons to live here. And and I think the rest of the country and the rest of the world, quite frankly, are realizing Tampa Bay is on sale compared to other parts of the country. So what does that mean? It means our population keeps growing and our, with low real estate inventory, we just keep seeing these record appreciation percentages. But l- let me put this into context here so you can understand it if you're afraid of buying real estate, if you're afraid because of interest rates, wh- whatever your fear is, okay? There's never been a time in history, ever, okay? And and if you can find it, send it to me because you won't be able to. Where a market has predicted to be the number one appreciating market in the country. And within one year, that evaporates to zero and prices start dropping. It doesn't swing like that. Real estate is so slow moving. So if there is some sort of shift in the real estate market and things slow down, then we're going to go from 30% to maybe 20, probably not even that, probably 30 to 25, maybe even in a horrible, like apocalyptic type situation, 30% appreciation to 15 in a year. Regardless, it's still appreciation. It's, it's gain. So don't let the naysayers that, you know, there's so many times where you get adv- financial advice from people that are broke. You know, right. that yes. don't own a home, that don't have any money, and they're telling right. you what you should be doing. Like, you know, don't don't take money advice from broke people. You know, I, I hear it all the time. Well, my they said this and they said that. I was like, how much money do they have? Like, I, you know, they, they ain't got no money. Like, don't yeah. be listening to broke people give you financial advice about what you should do about buying a house. And th- this is also a great point for the people out there that have said, well, I'm going to wait now because mortgage rates have gone up so much. We've talked about it. You know, rates have gone up a lot this this year. And so they're saying, well, I'm going to wait to see if it's going to slow yeah. down. And the reality is the amount you're going to end up paying, you know, when it's 30 percent higher or if it's 20, whatever. It's it going to be crush. Down the, it, right. It's going to be so much more, more than crush. the increase in the interest rates. And even if you go in at a higher interest rate, and admittedly, they're higher than they were in January. Right. They've gone up faster than they have since 1994. When and if they do go back down, you can always refinance to a lower rate. I don't know that the appreciation levels are ever going to come back down, um, you know, over the course of time. Right. Right. And and I, I think, again, real estate's local. Yeah. So our market is headed in a very positive direction. Rates, rate interest rates have not slowed down price appreciation, and no. they probably won't. In fact, Keeping Current Matters, which is like a real estate uh, data tracking company, came out with a, an infographic not long ago. And it more or less said that um, in years where interest rates have had these dramatic rises, prices have risen greater than the year before, historically. Right. Yeah. So prices are not going to drop instantly. Real estate is slow moving. It's not stocks. You don't have news about a stock and then have it drop. 10, real estate doesn't drop 10% a day. Like It just doesn't happen like that. And for anyone out there that says, oh, well, you know, like that, I was selling real estate during the crash. Okay. I I got my license, you know, 16 years ago. I've been doing this a long time. And I promise you, values didn't drop overnight. It was a couple year period and it took a lot. I mean, there was so much that needed to happen. It just doesn't happen in that way this time. But I do want to talk about interest rates. And this is, I want to, I want to talk to the wealthy crowd for a second. Okay. So if you are affluent, you know, let's say you have a seven-figure plus net worth. If you're wealthy, 
I want to I want to talk about this because I, I had a conversation with a friend a few nights ago, and I, and I kind of got a little bit frustrated because you know sometimes sometimes wealthy people have money, but they're you know they're they're not money smart. You know, right. they, don't, they don't think lots of through. them. <laughs> there are a lot of them, you, you know, and so um, I want to put this into perspective with mortgage rates a little bit because you'll have people say, well, uh, mortgage rates are rising and this and that. It's going to put such an impact on me personally. If you have money in the bank um, and, and let's just say you have a comparable amount of money in the bank or an investment in investments as you do with your mortgage. Okay. Interest rates rising, if you're going to make a purchase, almost become irrelevant. Because when interest rates on your mortgage rise, that also means banks are going to have to start paying out more on your savings. So so a one-point swing in mortgage rates, if you get a one-point swing in your other investment returns, as long as you're talking equal figures, it's a it's a wash. So like, I, you know, I did some simple math on like my own personal decision, you know, for, to, to, to look at mortgage options as I move forward, right? You know, and I've always been a no debt person. I don't like debt. You sure. know, it's just my personal belief system. But I look at it and I'm like, okay, even if interest rates, even if I buy an investment property and interest rates are a point higher than I what I want, this money I have over here in savings or in mutual funds or in whatever, they just have to also it grow by a point to offset the the do you understand what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like so many people don't think about it. They they think only from the mortgage rate. But if you have money in banks, if you have money in investments, like it, it you know, you just have to outperform that to walk to make it a wash. Right. And and then with the mortgage you get tax benefits, right? Exactly. There's you all, don't all these get. other things that right. you don't get if if it's the money's just sitting in the bank. So But but there's exactly no question right. with what's going on, you're gonna see banks raising savings rates because yes. they're gonna want more cash. They're gonna you know they're they're gonna raise savings rates. Like there's no doubt about that. So so I think you have to put it into perspective sometimes and think, oh man, my mortgage payment's going up so much. But in reality, a lot of times for high net worth people that do decide to get mortgages, the increase in their mortgage payment when they do when they buy a new property because mortgage rates are higher than their prior one is going to be offset by gains in other investments that are now going to gain at, at a comparable rate percentage because the bank is paying out more or the investment is trending and performing better because it's earning more money on its money. You know, so it 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 it, it sounds kind of complex, but again, is does it does it make a dent for people that don't have a bunch of money in the bank or aren't wealthy. No, it, it certainly won't. It'll it'll cost them more. But so I'm, like I said, my point was I'm only talking to, to right. high net worth people, high net worth people that think that, you know, an increase in their mortgage payment is somehow cramping their financial lifestyle or, or comparing apples to oranges. If you look at the whole spectrum of your financial situation, you'll probably notice you're making more money in some other areas that you wouldn't because your bank's paying you a better rate because a a stock is returning a better number because they're getting a better return on the money, they, the cash they have invested with a bank. So it really trickles down and almost in a lot of ways isn't as isn't as simple as as a thought pattern that now it's costing you more. It probably isn't. That makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I think you you know, and this is why talking to an expert or talking to people out there that know or you don't get advice from the broke person, right? If you're right. affluent, you know, to to be able to do that, to get all the information. And then, you know, like you said, some people make personal decisions, right? To you know, yours is to live debt free, right? And not have that. Yeah. Some people, you know, don't do that. And 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 so you gotta find what's right for you, but you gotta know all the information first. And so it's important to get out there and don't just make the assumption just because interest rates went up that you know everything's going to, you know, hell in a handbasket. I mean it, it there's still going to be other benefits that are going to come out on the other side of the economy. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. So again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News. Andrew Duncan uh, of the Duncan Duo. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow our socials at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, with Mike Corrigan from Cross Country Mortgage. And uh, look, it's it's Tampa Bay Lightning hockey playoff season. It's playoff time. No, man, we're we're in the hunt. It's exciting. Three peat. Bring a lot the, of energy. The, man, that the, would be incredible oh to have a three peat. I think there would, man, I'm not sure. I think Tampa might burn down with riots <laughs> um, if we get a three peat, you know. And man, how cool would it be is if we get a three peat and then the Bucks come back and they they, they run it back, you know. I mean, there's just so much energy around Tampa. Yep. And, and again, all of these things happening really do have an impact on real estate. It's real estate, local areas gain when they get notoriety nationally and internationally. So when people are on air, on TV, on national TV, on national radio, talking about Tampa because of our sports teams, it prompts people to think about moving. Even it's a small segment of the population, but all those things, it's like free marketing. Yeah. You know I mean? We already have a lot of great things bringing people here. But that's that's when know. they're when I, yeah, and it, it, it's funny. Happy Mother's Day, by the way, to all the mothers yeah, out there today. Mo- but but my wife, so the Lightning play tonight at home, right? And so for Mother's Day, my wife wanted to go to Lightning. There game. you I'm go. Like this is perfect. That's it's a no brainer, so, right? Yeah. yeah so no-brainer. take your mom to Lightning game. Yeah, it's a no brainer. So we'll be back. We're gonna um, we're gonna wrap up the show with some more real estate tips. Again, when we aren't on air, follow us at the Duncan Duo. Also, if you're a past client of ours, um, we have a VIP page um, for all of our past clients. It's a private page. So you need to get an invite to it. Send us a DM on any of our social channels. We'll get you invited if you've bought or sold a home with our company. We actually have some cool lightning giveaways. We've given away t-shirts. We've given away hats, signed jerseys, tickets to games. So if you're a past client of ours and you want one of those opportunities, make sure you get an invite to our uh, private uh, VIP page. We can make sure to, uh, to add you on our private VIP page. And also, if you want us to talk about something on the show, Shoot us a DM on one of our social channels. If there's a question that you have that you want answered, if you want to know something about real estate, if you want some tips about something you're thinking about doing, um, you know, make sure to message us on one of our socials and we'll cover it on the show. And we'll be back. Uh, we're going to be back after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on WFLA News. Every once in a while, we get these requests from people. And they're like, you know what? I want to buy a house with my friend. Or... I want to buy a house with my girlfriend. Yes. Or I want to go into business with partners and we just want to put a house in our individual names. So what follows is practical advice from experience, not legal advice, not tax advice. I'm not a lawyer. If you want a lawyer, <laughs> call Morgan and Morgan. So anyway. Free plug. Yeah, free plug. <laughs> anyway, are there ways that you can buy a house with friends? Yes. But I first wanted to tell you how risky it is. Look, friendships fall apart. Uh, you break up with your your significant other. You you know these things happen where um, you've put someone on the title and maybe you didn't do it right, and now they own half your home and they only put up ten percent of the cash. The proper way to do it is forming an LLC and having an ownership agreement that discloses how much equity each of you owns based on your contributions. Um, however. A lot of people make the mistake of doing that. I had a friend come to me this week and say, hey, I'm going to buy a house with a friend. Um, We're going to own it together, but it's going to go in my name. Well, you don't really own it together. Right. (laughs) It's in your name. Right. Okay. So, you know, there there are ways to do this. And cutting corners on this is something that just causes so many people heartache, causes people to lose money, 
cause people to be frustrated. Far too often, I know friends, I know family, I know people in other parts of the country that will call me with this chaotic real estate situation because they decided to buy a house with a friend and they didn't do it right. So the easiest way is forming an LLC, okay, and then and then disclosing ownership in that LLC. Uh, the next easiest way is each of you going on title half and half and each putting up half and half. Okay, that that's a simple way, right? But when you put your girlfriend on title and she didn't put financial contributions, okay, now she is an owner of your home. Yes. When you go to sell that home, she has to agree. If you're not with her anymore, guess what? She may not agree. She may want more money. She may want this. So, so there are so many pitfalls to buying real estate with partners that I strongly, strongly, strongly encourage legal advice, um, number one. And number two, having everything as plain and simple in writing as it possibly can be. This whole idea that someone's going to be a silent this or a... You know, I'm going to do like you're buying a $200,000 house. Okay. I promise you like corporate America figured out, you know, how to structure this silent partners. It's not, they're not really silent. They're silent only because they're not speaking. I promise you there's an agreement somewhere that says what they get, you know, telling someone and shaking their hand and saying, Hey buddy, I got you. You know, when something happens because stuff happens in people's lives that changes their philosophies, it changes their situation, it changes your friendship, you know, and, and then you're stuck into this relationship that doesn't have a way out. Yeah, and I can't tell you how many times in my 20-year career, I mean, it's dozens of times where, you know, someone puts their boyfriend or girlfriend on and then they ultimately break up and now it's 10 years later and they go to try and sell their property or do something yep. with their property and they're like, I have no idea where they're she stuck. is. I haven't talked to her in eight years. And the, yeah. I, I mean, the, and it's like, well, I, you we know, deal with it all the time. You, you got to hire a lawyer. You got to go to court. Yep. You got to do all this. Re- I mean, so it's, man, owning a home with anyone other than like your legal spouse, because there's steps for that. There's, right. a, there's case law. So that, that part's clear. Yes. Or, um, you know, documented in writing, disclosed to all parties of the transaction, ownership agreements. Um, are the only way to go. Anything else, and you are you're asking for trouble. Yes. You're asking for a problem down the line. You're asking for it to cost you money, time, and energy. You're, you're just asking for it. I will tell you one of the best, you know, from a business planning uh, situation. You know, if you own companies, I think this can apply to real estate too. One of the best legal uh, advices I ever got about owning companies and owning real estate was a buy sell agreement. Again, so again, this is not legal advice. I'm not an attorney, blah, 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 all the disclaimers that you normally hear. Like I'm saying those right now. I'm just saying really, really, really fast. Like the micro. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. But so, so this is not advice. I'm just telling you the best advice I ever got was a buy sell agreement. A buy sell agreement basically requires that or allows. And again, every contract's different, you know, but, but the, the basic premise is that if you own something with someone and they go to buy you out, you can buy them out at the same offer they gave you. It keeps partners honest, okay? That would be something that's a smart idea. But again, in writing, documented, you can't sure. show up to court and say, he promised me, right, right. you know, he promised <laughs> me at dinner one night when we was drinking. You know, you have to get it in writing. It has to be a contract. But a buy-sell agreement does keep partnerships honest where that one partner can't offer to buy someone else out at some lowball because then the other partner can buy you out at that same lowball. So sure. you, you keeps your offers to buy someone out honest. It keeps the equity fair. Um, and that's something that I've incorporated into my businesses and partnerships. And, and I thought it was, again, some of the best legal advice I think could apply to real estate. Again, when you document it in writing, when you do everything the right way. So don't try and cut corners there. It, you just end up in you know, lawsuits and 
chaos and losing money. Yeah, so, you need to be very cautious if you're going to buy something with anybody other than your spouse. Correct. Correct. No doubt about it. So, again, you've been listening to the Duncan Deer Real Estate Show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, go Bolts and have an awesome rest of your Mother's Day weekend.